Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Activate Podcast. My name is Jillian Pelkey, and through the Activate Podcast, it's my hope that our faith would be activated when we explore the Word of God and what it teaches, that our lives would be activated by applying what the Bible teaches as we serve God and love other people. For more podcasts like this one, you can check out youtube.com or soundcloud.com and search Jillian Pelkey. The podcasts are also available on iTunes. Today, we're going to be talking about a hero in the Bible, Moses, and we're going to see how Moses's life can mentor our lives and that Moses has so many things that go on in his life and situations such as um, being kicked out of a place he wanted to stay or being adopted or uh, being saved on purpose, um, being used for God's plans and purposes, even when people don't appreciate it. There's so many different things that resonate uh, into our very own lives. And we're going to see how Moses can really be a mentor to us. But first, let's pray, and then we'll dive right into the Word of God. Jesus, I thank you that your Word is alive and active, that it searches our hearts, that it does so much for us, that it can correct us and teach us and show us how to live life your way. And God, I pray that it does just that to us this day, that today we would hear the Word of God and it would resonate and take root in our hearts and in our lives, that it would come out in actions. Lord, we thank you for your servant Moses. We thank you for the picture that he is of of serving you through hard times and, and easy times. We thank you for the better Moses, Jesus, who came and showed us how to truly be free. Lord, help us to follow after uh, these great people of faith. Help us to be like Jesus. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Well, today we're talking about Moses, and Moses is one of those people, like I said before, that can really mentor our lives. And anyone that uh, would stand and say, well, I have no one to show me the way, no one to show me the ropes of Christianity, I would say to you today, you do, and it's the Bible. And the Bible has story after story, account after account of people who lived their lives full of faith and how God came through for them and how they lived for God. So if you're looking for a mentor, open the Bible. If you're looking for a mentor, uh, take time in prayer and let Jesus just wash over you and speak to you. He is alive and active in our lives. So Moses is uh, born as a miracle baby. He is born when everyone in his generation was murdered. Everyone in his generation was thrown into the Nile River to be drowned. The Pharaoh of that time uh, was trying to thin out the population of the Israelite people. And so uh, he had ordered... The Hebrew midwives, uh, they were named Pua and Shapara, that they would go and take every Hebrew baby boy born and murder them. And those two women are worth mentioning because they stood up against the evil of their day. This wasn't just a bad rule or something they didn't like. This was the evil of their day, and they stood against it, and they wouldn't murder the baby boys that were born. However, (laughs) Pharaoh decided to send his officers and soldiers to go and to take the babies after they were born and throw them in the Nile River. Moses was spared. His mom, Jochebed, was born for just that right time with just enough gumption to uh, save her baby, and she hid him for three months. After three months, she put him in a basket down by the river. Just at the right time, Pharaoh's daughter came and saw the Hebrew baby in the basket. She drew him out of the water, and because she drew him out of the water, she named him Moses. Moses was a Hebrew. He was an Israelite born to the nation of God, but he was raised in the palace of the Pharaoh, the king. He was the one who had been prophesied about 400 years ago to Abraham, his great, great, very great grandfather. 
Abraham was out one day looking at the stars and God Almighty said to him, Abraham, your descendants are going to be like these stars. They're going to be so many that you can't count them. Your descendants are going to be like sand on the seashore. Even a handful of sand you can't count, but imagine the descendants that you're going to have. And God spoke to him and he said that those descendants that you have are going to be enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, and then I'm going to rescue them. And I'm going to punish the nation that held them enslaved. And I'm going to deliver them into a promised land. Well, here in our our story, we're with Moses. And Moses is the one who's going to, to deliver this nation from slavery. He is the one 400 years into slavery that is born to set his people free, is born to save a nation from slavery. And here the Hebrew people are slaves and made to build bricks and work in the fields, and they were building cities, cities of storage for the Egyptians. And the reason that Pharaoh had decided to kill the babies is because they were becoming too strong. In the midst of slavery, they were becoming strong. I'm going to say that again. In the midst of st- slavery, they were becoming strong. They were in the lowest place, and yet God was building them up. The lowest of the slaves were these Hebrew midwives, and they were midwives because they couldn't have families of their own. And so the most useful thing they could do with these these women who were barren was to make them midwives. The lowest of the slaves were strong, strong enough to fear God more than the king. For such a time as this, those women were born. For such a time as this, Jochebed was brave enough to hide her baby. So Moses is this promised child, and he grows up, and as a man, he goes out to see the Hebrew people in their slavery, and he sees an Egyptian ruler, an Egyptian slave master, beating an Israelite, a Hebrew, one of his people, one of his blood relatives. And in all of his anger, he turns around and he hits the Egyptian and kills him and buries his body in the sand. Well, isn't this what he's supposed to do? He's Moses. He's the savior of the Hebrew people. He's just taking one of them out. In his passion, he's trying to do something good for his people. The next day he's out and he sees two Hebrews fighting and says to the Hebrews, why are you fighting? You guys are on the same side. Why are you fighting each other? And the Hebrew man turns to Moses and says, who made you our ruler and judge? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? And with that sentence, we see everything turn for Moses. The Hebrew people didn't respect him. They hated him. Soon after that, the Pharaoh orders that Moses be murdered for the murder of the Egyptian. And now his adopted family is out to murder him. And his birth family hates him and disdains him. And literally, Moses needs to flee for his life. And he runs away to the land of Midian. And in the land of Midian, he is seen by some women at a well. And the women describe him as Egyptian. And they go back and tell their dad there was an Egyptian. And Moses lives in the land of Midian and and later on marries Zipporah, who is one of seven daughters of Jethro, who is a priest in Midian. And they have two sons. So here's Moses. He's not an Egyptian. 
Even though he looks like one, he's identified as one visually, looks like an Egyptian, but he is not an Egyptian. He's not a Hebrew. He's not an Israelite. And he's certainly not a Midianite. Moses is a stranger in a land that's not his own. And then there's a verse in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. He says he's taking care of Jethro's sheep. The promised child, the one that that, um, the two uh, Hebrew midwives, Puah and Sipporah, are risking their lives to save, the one that um, Jochebed risked her life to save, the one that was saved from the river, has fled for his life and is tending sheep that aren't his own. He's living for somebody else's gain. The adopted son, the forgotten son, he's nobody. He's alone. And this goes on for years, year after year after year after year after year. He's tending someone else's sheep in a land that's not his own, even though he's the promised one, even though it's his job to, to, to rescue a whole nation from slavery. Years of this. And then one day God appears to him. And he announces his plan to to free the people. And he says these words in Exodus chapter 3. He says, I have seen, I have heard, I am concerned, and I have come down. I want to speak those words over you right now. I have seen, says the Lord. I have heard, says the Lord. I am concerned, says the Lord. And I have come down. No matter where you are in this mentorship that that Moses is trying to have with you right now, this mentorship of his life, whether you're just realizing that you're special to God and realizing that you're called out and anointed to do good works for God, like Moses realizes when he's the only one of his generation left. Whether you are in the midst of passionately trying to serve God in your own way, just like Moses who who killed the Egyptian, or maybe you're in that place where you've been year after year serving someone else's dream, working somebody else's land, in a strange place that's not your own, with a lack of identity of your own, Here's Moses with a lack of, he's not Egyptian or Hebrew or Midian, and he's just a stranger. Maybe you feel that way. The Lord comes and says, I have seen, I have heard, I am concerned. And then throughout that that chapter, in chapter 3 in Exodus, says, I, 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 I will lead them. I have heard them. I am sending. God is active in the narrative right here. And he says he's going to send Moses to Pharaoh, and that the people of God are going to be freed. And Moses responds to God with, I am not a great man. I can't speak. Send someone else. And God's reply is, I'll be with you. Now, if we were to go back in the story to when Moses was in the palace. And if God were to release him right from there, you know, if Moses was rescued from the Nile River, brought into the palace of the, the king, 
and then release to do great things. It would be like a corporate ladder that you climb up. Like things were bad and then they got better and then they got even better and then they got even better. But that's not the way that I've seen that the Lord works. That's not the way that he worked in King David. That's not the way he worked in Daniel in the Babylonian time. It's not the way that he worked with John the Baptist. And it's not the way that he even worked in his own son, Jesus. It's not the way that he worked in Joseph's life. In all these people's lives, they went backwards before they went forwards. Jesus died before he came back to life. And in Moses' story, if he had been released to rescue the Israelite people right from the palace, it would have been based on his relationships with people in power. It would have been based on the money that he had and the influence that he had. It would have been based on so many other things other than the raw fact that God did it. And you see here in chapter three, all this I, 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 and it's talking about how God's going to do this. God's God is going to lead the people out. He's going to use Moses as a vessel to do it, but God is going to do it. And Moses just is so humbled and so unbalanced in his view of God and himself that he says, I can't do this. And the balance here that we need to find is a balance of knowing that God is so great that only he can do it. And that's one side. And then the other side is God can use me even though I'm not great. So our reliance has to be on God. It has to be balanced. We can't elevate ourselves above God. It's so easy to elevate ourselves above God. We elevate ourselves above God every time we sin. Every time we uh, choose to sin, we are saying that our plan is better. Our intentions, our desires are more important than the, the, the mandate that God has given us, the way of living that God has given us. And to bring us back into alignment, we have to be reading the Bible. We have to be in the Word of God because it reminds us just how big God is and that He really does have a plan and a purpose, that we're not just living out our days of obscurity or living out our days uh, without intention and purpose by God. In the book of Psalms, it says, How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And before that, he says, all of our days are ordained and written in your book. So God knows the purposes and plans he has for every section of your life, every season of your life. So God brings balance back to Moses when he says, I will be with you. And he shows them how he's going to work miracles through Moses, through um, signs and wonders. So Moses decides to go to Egypt, but first he goes to his father-in-law, Jethro, and he asks permission. And this is a beautiful picture of coming under the authority of those above us. He could have just left, but he did the right thing. And, and, and Jethro, his father-in-law, was in a sense like his boss. He was tending his, his sheep. And so Jethro gives him permission to go and do what God has asked him to do. Isn't it awesome that God can open up doors for us, that we don't need to push our way through? If God has said for us to do it, then he's going to open up doors for us to do it. And we don't have to uh, push people over to get there. And Jethro says, go. Go, Moses, go with my daughter and my grandsons, go to Egypt. So Zipporah goes with her husband to a land who, that had totally destroyed him. The land of Egypt had totally destroyed Moses. And she goes with him. And, and they meet with Aaron, Moses' older brother. And 
they take the plan of God, the rescue plan of God, and they present it to the Israelite people. They say, listen, God is going to send us out man, women, children, all of our livestock. And when we leave, when we go, the Egyptians are going to give us gifts. And then they go to Pharaoh and they go before Pharaoh and they say, God of the universe says this to you, Pharaoh. He says, let my people go. And Moses and Aaron present this and they're full of trust in God. But, but Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to let your people go. I don't know God. I don't know this God you talk of. I'm not letting these people go. And instead of letting them go, he gives them harder work to do. He uh, puts more pressure on the slaves to do more work. So Moses did what God said to do. And it didn't work out. Moses did what God said to do. He took his family and his kids. He left the land that he was comfortable in. He went and did something he was uncomfortable doing for the Lord. He stepped out of his comfort zone and did it. And it didn't work out. We have to trust that God knows what he's doing. We have to trust that he's going to use every bit of our lives. If we have that anchor, if we have that hope and that knowledge and that security that God knows what he's doing and we can't uh, turn back or change our ways just because it's hard or difficult or the physical uh, view does not look like the spiritual view. Moses could have turned around and gone back. I'm sure his wife Zipporah said, hey, let's go back to my dad's house. People like us there and we aren't going to be murdered But here's what Moses does in Exodus chapter five, verse 22. It says, then Moses returned to the Lord. This is super vital because he returns to the place where the mandate comes from. He returns to the Lord. And in each one of our situations, we need to return to the Lord daily, get our orders from the Lord daily. So he returns to the Lord and he complains to the Lord. And he says this, Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your people? Is this why you sent me here? I went to the king and I said what you told me to say, but ever since that time, he has made the people suffer and you have done nothing to save them. This is all true, but Moses has to trust God. He has to trust that God knows the beginning and the end of the story. So he has to keep going. And in our lives, we can do everything that God has asked us to do. And we can feel like everything has failed, but we need to trust God. Everything is impossible without him. When Moses tried to free the the slaves on his own, when he killed the Egyptian, it didn't work out. But now he's got God on his side. Seemingly it's not working out, but he's trusting God. So he continues and he keeps going before Pharaoh. The the Israelite people are, are furious with Moses. They are not happy with him and Aaron. They wouldn't even listen to them. He's hated by them and he's hated by the Egyptians. The Savior is hated So God uses miracles. He first turns the Nile River into blood. And this is very symbolic because all all of Moses' people in his generation had been thrown into that river and died. So it's interesting that God uses that first miracle of turning the water to blood. Then he brings uh, plagues 
and the plagues fall only on the Egyptians, not on the Hebrews. And this is miraculous. He brings frogs and gnats and flies and diseases on the farm animals, uh, boils on people and animals, hail from the sky. He brings locusts that come um, and eat up everything. And then they go before Pharaoh, and each time the plagues happen, Pharaoh doesn't let the people go, and they ask him, and he doesn't let them. But this time, they go to the king, and the king said to them, the Lord will really have to be with you if ever I let you and all your children leave Egypt. So he offers them a compromise. He says, how about I just let the men go? Here we are in our lives. We've been given a vision from the Lord or we've been given something for the Lord to do. And something that's a half-truth comes our way. And this is how the enemy deals in our lives is with half-truths. He takes a little bit of truth and he says, here, this has got just a little taste of good, but it's surrounded by bad. It's a caramel-covered onion. It looks good. It looks like a caramel-covered apple, but really the inside is no good at all. And that's what this offer from Pharaoh is. That's what the offer from the evil one to your life is. How about you take a half good thing? How about you take a half truth? And the half truth was, why don't you just let the men go? I'll let the men go, but I'm going to keep your women and your children and your livestock. But Moses and Aaron knew what the Lord had told them to do, and they still wouldn't give up. They didn't give up when the Egyptians hated them. They didn't give up when the Israelites hated them. They didn't give up when they were given a half promise. They continued and they pursued because they knew what God had told them to do. Then the next plague comes and it's total darkness and they go before Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, I'm going to make you another offer. I'm going to give you two thirds truth. What if you take your men and your women and your children, but leave your livestock here? This is super tempting because it's almost there. It's almost the goodness that God has promised I want to encourage you to be mentored by Moses' life right now. Moses could have taken two-thirds of the truth, two-thirds of the promise, but he waited. And I want to encourage you to do the same. If God has told you something to do or somewhere to go or something to be, don't take two-thirds of the promise because then God won't get all the glory. The impossible happens with God. And so Moses and Aaron say no. And then the last plague is told to Pharaoh. He says, the firstborn of all of your sons will be killed. And not all of your sons, but all of your animals too. The firstborn will be killed. And there's this verse in Exodus chapter 11, verse 3. Catch this. It says, the king's officers and the Egyptian people considered Moses to be a great man. This Moses that was hated, he, he is now considered a great man. We can't follow the praise or the hatred of other people because that's in the physical world. But in the spiritual world, God has a plan that's steady and straight. Do you see what I mean? He was loved and he was hated and he was loved and he was hated, but he needed to stay steady. So we can't rise and fall on the opinions of others. We can only rise and fall on the hard truth that God knows what he's doing. And that helps us to stay steady when we're given half truths. It helps us to stay steady when we're hated. It helps us to stay steady the entire course. Now Moses instructs the Israelite people and they listen to him. He's respected by the Israelites and the Egyptians. And he tells the Israelites, the last plague is coming and here's what you need to do. You need to take a lamb and each family needs to kill the lamb and take the blood and put it on the doorpost of every house because the angel of death is coming and every house that is covered in the blood of the lamb will be spared. What a foreshadow. 
They're living out a complete foreshadow of the future lamb of God that's to come, Jesus Christ, and the blood that's to be spread over our lives, the blood of Jesus, which takes away the sins of the world. Wow. So the Israelite people do this, and in the middle of the night, the angel of death comes, and there's great mourning and weeping, and the firstborn of all the Egyptians is killed, and it's such a parallel, too, to the, the heartache that the, the uh, Israelites had felt when their babies were drowned and their babies were killed. Well, now uh, the Egyptian babies are killed. And Pharaoh comes to Moses and Aaron and sends for them right away, and he says, Go, take your people, take your men, and take your women, and take your children, and take your livestock and go. And as this one million person slave army nation leaves, they're given gifts of gold and silver and clothing. And every word that the Lord has promised came true that day. A million slaves were set free. And their previous owners were lavishing gifts upon them. Impossible with Moses when he tried to kill someone uh, out, out in the field. Impossible. But possible with a God who has a plan that's better than any plan we can come up with or any thought process we can perceive. Moses and Aaron stuck to the plan. And so in your life, stick to the plan. Because you want to know a better Moses is here. A better Savior has come. The promised Son has already come. Jesus Christ has come. And He has led us as His church, as His nation, to freedom. Freedom not from physical slavery, but freedom from the slavery of sin. And we are now free to worship God. We are now set free and we are lavished with gifts from God. We are lavished with gifts even from our enemies. Do you see our freedom? Do you see the big picture, the big plan? It's more than just the 500-year plan that he gave Abraham years ago. He's given you and I the plan of all time, the plan of eternity. And the plan says that, that the Israelite people were a foreshadow of something better to come. They were physically freed, but you are spiritually free. You are free from sin and sin no longer rules over you. You are no longer a slave to it but you walk in complete freedom. And then the other part of the story that's coming, that's yet to come, is that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to take his nation, his church, as a bride to, without spot or wrinkle, and he's going to take us to heaven for an eternity with him because the blood of the perfect lamb has made us righteous. The blood of the perfect lamb has set us free forever. Let's let Moses mentor us, but let's also let Jesus mentor us. Jesus became a servant. He's the king who washed our feet. He's the God of the universe that stepped into time and space because he loved us so much. We can't put ourselves in the place of God. We can't raise ourselves up and say that we are uh, equal with God or our plans or our thoughts are better. Because when we recognize even for a moment how great God is, we realize how small we are. And when we realize how small we are and our dependence on God, that's when He can use us. Second Chronicles, it says, The eyes of the Lord search the earth for one, one that will completely serve Him, 
He wants to make them strong. Today, God wants to make you strong. Whether Whatever part of the narrative you're in right now, whether you're at the beginning um, where you're trying to work out God's plan with your own strength, whether you're in the middle where you're in those year after year after year of obscurity, God wants to make you strong in that. God made Moses strong while he was in, in the land of Midian, and he made the slaves strong while they were in the midst of slavery. So if you're in the midst of some kind of situational slavery, God can make you strong during it. This is your training ground. God made Joseph strong while he was in prison. He made John the Baptist strong in prison. He even made Paul strong in prison. All these people in prison made strong. So if you feel like your life is in prison right now, count it all joy because God's making you strong. Don't get weary in doing good things. It says to look to Jesus as your example to be patient because Jesus has been patient with all of humanity. So patient through generation after generation after generation. And even in his patience, he loves us so much so that he would give his very own life for us. So let that mentor us. Let us be so patient with other people, with their sins, that we can love them just like Jesus. And we won't grow weary in well-doing. Whatever part of the, the story you're in, whether you're in that first part trying to do it on yourself, whether you're in the middle with the obscurity, whether you're just stepping out, doing what God asks you to do and it fails, Even if you're in that place, realize that God can use that for you to stay steady. We have to know that God knows what he's doing. He's the God who told the ocean where to stop. He's the God who said things and they came to pass time after time after time. And he is a God above time and space that sees the end and the beginning at once. Can we trust him today? Moses trusted him. So I'm going to trust him. And I've seen Jesus, who is the better Moses, who has made a way where there seems to be no way. This is the God who brings the dead back to life. This is the God who restores and repairs. And he does the impossible. With men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Salvation is impossible Without Jesus Christ, there is no other way that we can be saved except by the blood of the Lamb, by Jesus Christ. There's nothing else we can do. There is no way that God can love you more tomorrow than He does today. Because today, He loves you completely. There's no act of service. There is no uh, 10 steps to, to making God love you more. He loves you completely today. His thoughts towards you are like the grains of sand. You are completely his. You were bought with a price. He bought you with the blood of Jesus. He covers you and he loves you. You are not alone. You have mentors in the Bible. You have access to God himself. And I pray that God begins to speak over you and wash over you, that you know that no matter what season of your life you're in, God is there. Not only is he there, he sees you, he hears you, he cares. And not only is he coming, he's here. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you are active in our lives. Thank you that we are never alone, that there is nothing that separates us from the love of God. Lord, I pray that no matter what season we're in, that we will trust your plan. We will trust you more than we trust ourselves. God, help us not to elevate ourselves to be equal to you. Help us to recognize who you are, how great, how mighty you are, and that you had a plan from the beginning of time, from the creation of the world, you had a plan, and you have a plan that supersedes my lifetime. 
a plan that goes on for eternity. Help me to trust you. Help me to look at Moses and see that you had a plan even from the beginning of his very life, sparing his life. You had a plan, Lord, when he took things into his own hands and you still loved him. And God, you had a plan when he was in obscurity and you still loved him and you made him strong. And you had a plan even when you told him what to do and it didn't work out the way he thought it should. You saw him through and you'll see me through. You'll see each one of us through. God, our lives... Every day is already written in your book. You already know what's going to happen. So God, teach us to trust you. Thank you for Jesus who has saved us and set us free. Thank you for access to your throne room. Thank you that we can boldly come before you because we are children of the King of Kings, adopted completely into the family of God. Thank you that we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. You are our greatest treasure. You are our greatest gift. Help us to shine the light of God in every dark situation we're in. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.